Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 18. Second Kings chapter 18. Uh, this is a passage of Scripture that I came across as a part of my daily Bible reading. And um, it's, uh, I think it has something to share with us tonight. And, and I hope and pray that God will speak to your heart through it. Uh, let's uh, pray and ask God to bless it. Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your Word. And we praise You and thank You for uh, the fact that You've allowed us, Lord, to, uh, to hear Your Word. Uh, to allow it to be a part of our life. And Lord, we pray that You would uh, now allow us to hear Your uh, Spirit uh, speak to our hearts as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Kings chapter 18, is. Uh, at, there's some background information you need to be aware of in order to understand uh, what's been going on. Now, um, in the kingdom of Israel, uh, you have, um, uh, everybody's familiar with King uh, Saul and King David, who uh, those two were right at the very beginning. And then, um, uh, and during Saul's reign as king, he uh, was uh, head and shoulders above everyone else, and he was anointed by God, by Samuel. And during his time as king, he uh, fell away from uh, following God. He began to to worry about what other people thought of him. One worried about what uh, man, uh, other people were uh, 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 judging him as, and so uh, he began to fall away from God. And the Spirit of God, uh, the Bible says, that the Spirit of God uh, uh, was removed from him, and he was not even aware. Of that, and I, that sounds to me like the worst thing that that could ever happen to an individual is that uh, the spirit and the presence of God uh, leave an individual, and you are so absorbed in your own sin and so absorbed in your own uh, lifestyle in the world that you wouldn't even be aware of it. And as a result, God chose to uh, place uh, a blessing upon uh, the son of Jesse, uh, David. Uh, David was anointed king and and he was uh, likened to God's heart and uh, God uh, made a covenant with David and uh, that covenant was that someone from the line of David would always sit upon the throne. Uh, Now, uh, Solomon was the king after David uh, and Solomon was uh, the son of David and uh, he was during the reign of Solomon. Uh, uh, David's reign was all about conquering countries, conquering land, and uh, defeating the enemies of Israel. After David uh, did all of that, his desire was to build the temple. Well, Solomon's whole tenure was about building, building uh, the opulence and the grandeur of the kingdom of Israel because David had already conquered all the uh, the enemies of Israel all around. Da- uh, Solomon 
Solomon's reign didn't have to do with a great deal with uh, exerting a military might. David had already done that. And so Solomon's reign was all about building uh, the palace and building the temple. For over 20 years, Solomon uh, built the temple of God uh, as a permanent place for, uh, for uh, the presence of God because up until that time they had continued to worship God in the tabernacle that they took through the wilderness. Okay, And here's a great nation of peoples and they are, uh, they're still worshiping in that uh, a little tent that they uh, took throughout the wilderness. And so uh, that's what burdened David's heart about the fact that he wanted to build a temple. Solomon built that temple. And uh, we see in uh, the reign of Solomon, that was Solomon, even though Solomon was known for great wisdom, his, uh, his tenure as king was all about building the temple of God and he also built a great palace uh, for himself alongside of the temple. Uh, this temple was so great. If you go back and, and read some of the scripture, you'll, you'll read that uh, there was basically a huge uh, pool that was made out of a bronze, uh, big bronze tub. Uh, it was so big that they called it the sea. Okay, your tug has to be mighty big to be called the sea. Okay, uh, and it was this giant, gigantic pool of water that was inside of uh, the palace. Um, they had uh, pillars of uh, uh, cedar from Lebanon that uh, they brought into the temple, and it was uh, it was there were so many pillars of of. Uh, this cedar wood that it, it was resembled a forest inside of the uh, the temple. This, this uh, structure was so uh, enormous, and they had doors going into the holy place that were uh, coated in gold. Okay, they were layered with gold on the outside of these huge doors, uh, and everything inside of the holy place was uh, was overlaid with gold. Um, uh, Solomon's reign was all about the riches and ambulates of, of uh, the wealth of, of God's blessing on Israel. After Solomon uh, began to get old, uh, some of his sons began to fight over who would become the next king. And there was not a smooth transition from Solomon to the next king. And so as a result, uh, there was a split amongst the uh, the people of Israel and the ten tri- and also because of Solomon's sin before God um, uh, Solomon uh, uh, the kings of uh, the kingdom of Israel was split between two you had the ten tribes of uh, the northern kingdom and that was known as Israel and then you had two tribes, uh, Judah and Benjamin, and those those were known as Judah. So Israel was split into two. You had two kings. You had two kingdoms. The kingdoms of the north uh, of the ten tribes tended to have kings that uh, led away from God. They had kings like Ahab uh, and Jezebel uh, who uh, led the people away from 
God. They uh, worshipped all these foreign gods. And that is a result of, really, of Solomon allowing all these uh, wives that he was married to and bringing in their foreign gods. And that really was the beginning of the uh, the destruction of Israel because they uh, the kings to the north led the people away from God. The kings in the southern kingdom in, in Judah and Benjamin, uh, or the kingdom of Judah, uh, they tended to... Uh, they all were direct descendants of David. Uh, they remained in the Davidic line. Um, but they, uh, from time to time, would have kings that would, would uh, turn the people back to God. Now, from time to time, they'd also have kings that uh, would do evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, in the north, uh, right before 2 Kings chapter 18, you have where uh, God finally gets frustrated with the, the king's kingdom of the northern kingdom and the king's leading the people away from God and he allows uh, a, an outside force, the Assyrian army, to come in and to defeat uh, the Samaria where the, uh, the, the capital city of the northern kingdom is and uh, basically... Uh, conquer uh, Israel. The people of Israel are taken off to other places and other people are brought in and the northern kingdom uh, now is not Israel any longer. Uh, this is a part of warfare Warfare at the time. If, you, if your country was defeated by another nation, uh, they would take all the citizens of any value. Uh, everybody that was... Uh, um, of the upper echelon of people, people that that could resist, they took all of those people and displaced them into another province of this the king's uh, conquering, and he took people from another area and put those where they lived, and that's exactly what happened to Israel. Israel's no more, and uh, that king is uh, from Assyria has now turned his sights towards Judah thinking it to be a easier uh, uh, challenge than the northern kingdom because it's so small. And we, uh, we read in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 18, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea's son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of uh, Ahaz, king of Judah began to reign. Twenty and five years old he was when he began to reign. And he reigned uh, twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was also was uh, Abby, uh, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of God, of the Lord, according to all that David had, his father had done. And he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made uh, for unto those uh, days the children of Israel did uh, burn incense to it. And he called it uh, Nehushtan. I'm having a hard time reading. I forgot my glasses at the office. Uh, 
So excuse me if I'm a little slow. Uh, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel uh, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and he departed not uh, from following him but kept him his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. So we see that uh, this, uh, this king of Judah Hezekiah is following under uh, the direction of God. He is, uh, he is not like any of the kings that were before him. There were some kings that had uh, followed after God and had been faithful to God, but uh, unfortunately they had not gone to the extent of uh, trying to rid uh, the uh, land of Judah from the influences that it had had. Uh, see, up until that time, there had been uh, times in which uh, kings had led the people away from God and they had built altars on the high places. Uh, these were uh, places that were considered holy places and they had uh, uh, offered uh, sacrifices to foreign gods, and they had placed uh, in those places Asherah poles. They had led the people away from God just as much as the northern kingdoms, but not as bad. And uh, there were times in which the southern kingdom would have a righteous king that would lead the people back to worshiping God, but it's kind of like... Uh, have you ever had a car that you that you just wore slam out and you parked it in your in your backyard and you got a new car and you didn't get rid of the old car you said I, I'll get rid of it later or I, I might work on it and see if I can get it to work. Well, the old car sits there and it sits there and you 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 don't drive the old car, but you but it's still there. And it's taking up space in the backyard. It's, it's, uh, it, it's just getting worse and worse. And, but you just still just don't get rid of it. And that's what happened to these high places. The kings, when they would turn back to God, they would turn the people back to worshiping God and doing things the appropriate way, but they kind of just left those high places with the altars and the Asherah poles there. They didn't get rid of them like they should have but they just left them there. They, all the people were worshiping God the way they were supposed to, but they didn't get rid of the foreign, temp, uh, the foreign altars, the foreign god altars and Asherah poles, which was, in essence, kind of like being on a diet, but still keeping chocolate in the, in the cabinet or ice cream in the freezer. Oh, I'm not eating that stuff, but you still got it there in the house. I'm not eating that stuff, but on a on a dark night when you feel like you just have to have it, that chocolate's still in the cabinet and that ice cream is calling out your name in the middle of the night. And that's exactly what those uh, altars on the high places and those Asherah poles did to the people of, of Judah. Uh, they were still there, and from time to time, the people would, uh, right after they had a king that followed, uh, that led the people back to the worship of God, they would have a, the next king right after them would lead the people right back to worshiping uh, the foreign gods and worshiping uh, 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 on those high places where they shouldn't have been. But Hezekiah was different. He 
not only led the people back to the worship of God, but the reason it says that he was different from all the other kings is that he got rid of all those uh, 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 foreign god uh, altars on the high places. He cut down all the Asherah poles. He destroyed all the, uh, the, the false god idols. He got rid of all of those. And there was even the... Now you remember as the children of Israel came through the uh, wilderness, they began to, to fuss and complain. Well, there's about 20 different times they fussed and complained. But there was one time that God just got so frustrated with them that He sent serpents. You remember that? And they were in the wilderness and these serpents came and started biting the children of Israel and God was just going to wipe out the children of Israel because they continued to fuss at, 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 God, at Moses and fuss because they didn't believe that God uh, loved them and wanted to take care of them even though God was continuing to feed them in the wilderness continued to bless them and here, uh, here they are complaining and God just says forget it I'm just going to get rid of them so he sends in all these snakes and they, they're venomous snakes and they begin to bite people and people are dying and then Moses comes before God and he pleads with God and and God has mercy on Israel and tells Moses to construct a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and all they have to do is look to the serpent and they would be healed remember that uh, and so uh, Moses put the serpent on the staff and the people that looked to the serpent were healed of the, uh, the venomous snakes uh, bite and those who refused to look at the serpent, uh, they died from the serpent's bite. Now, uh, from that time, after, after uh, all of that happened, uh, instead of getting rid of the bronze serpent, uh, the children of Israel took that serpent and began to worship it too. And that's what it's talking about here, that Hezekiah even took that bronze serpent that uh, Moses had made in the wilderness and he um, chopped it up into pieces so that, uh, that it could no longer be worshipped. He didn't want any influence, anything that would be in, in the land of Judah that would lead people away from God. His desire was that the people of, of Judah get back to the right relationship with God that they were called to have. And so that's what happened. But... Um, there's a problem. And the Lord was with him and uh, he prospered with, uh, uh, with whatever he had uh, he'd done. And it came to pass, verse 9, and it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, uh, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that... Uh, the king of uh, Assyria came upon against Samaria and besieged it. So that's what I'm telling you about. The same king that uh, took over Israel uh, began to besiege uh, Jerusalem in order to take over Judah. Okay? And he has this overwhelming force of soldiers. And he's got this enormous army. It would be like um, it'd be like a tiny little state of Rhode Island trying to defend uh, uh, from 
the Chinese army coming and overtaking it uh, and not having the resources of the whole United States to defend itself. Uh, this is like just, uh, this is truly a, a David and Goliath situation where uh, they're just overwhelmed and there's no way that they're going to be able to hold them off. At the end of three years, uh, they took it. Uh, even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, uh, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, uh, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel uh, unto Assyria and put them in uh, Hela and Habor uh, by the river of Gonan and in the cities of the the Medes, because they obeyed not uh, the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed His covenant and all that Moses and the servant of the Lord commanded and would not uh, hear them and do them. Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah did uh, uh, this king of Assyria come up against and the fenced cities of Judah, and he took them as well. And Hezekiah king of Judah sent to the king of Assyria uh, to Lachish saying I have offended uh, return uh, from me uh, that which uh, you've taken and so what he's doing is, is he's trying to make a deal rather than read all of that let me just tell you what's happening uh, he's trying to make a deal with the king of Assyria and he knows that defeat is coming he's seen that uh, the, the northern kingdom has been ransacked by this, uh, this king from Assyria. And so he understands and he knows that uh, he's not going to be able to defeat uh, this king. The king says, hey, uh, you need to pay a tribute. And so he tells them, you need to send three tons of silver and you need to send a ton of gold. And uh, Hezekiah says, okay, I'll send that to you. And he sends it to him uh, as a tribute to try and keep him at bay. Then the king of Assyria comes and he uh, besieges Jerusalem in order to take it uh, because, look, it's never enough. There's never enough. Um, And uh, King Hezekiah knows that he's about to uh, be besieged everybody in the city is going to die because they're going to what they're going to do is basically they're going to cut off all the supply everybody's going to starve and then the king's going to come in and just take over and there won't be anybody left this uh this is the way of warfare at the time uh so what does he do the king of assyria uh, sends some of his emissaries to to talk to uh, the king uh, Hezekiah and to tell him to just instead of dying, uh, why don't you just give up, just uh, surrender, and allow uh, allow me to come in and take over. Um, verse twenty three says, "Now therefore, I pray thee." Uh, this is the emissaries talking. Uh, Give pledges to my lord, the king of Assyria, and I will deliver uh, thee 2,000 horses if you're able to even uh, put riders upon them. He's kind of mocking them right now because they have such a small army. They can't even... He says, I'll give you the horses if you can provide horsemen to ride them. 
Um, and then he mocks them even more. How then will thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? He's saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to call down to Egypt and ask them to come and save you? And he, began, he continues to mock Egypt. He says, look, um, Egypt's just a wisp of a, of a nation remaining. It's nothing. Uh, you can't uh, expect Egypt Egypt to come and help you. They'll do nothing but, uh, in his terms, he says, he'll do nothing but um, prick your hand, meaning uh, you might get a little bit of help, but it's like uh, using a hoe that uh, is rough and you get splinters in your hand. You might get a little bit of help, but it'll, it'll be painful as in the process. He says you can't depend on Egypt, and he says you can't depend upon your God either. Um, Uh, then they say, hey, um, can you... Uh, now, the emissaries are standing outside the walls and uh, they're talking to uh, King Hezekiah's uh, entourage, his, his uh, court, and they're saying all these things and they're saying... Uh, and the kings of Assyria, is tell, their people are saying, look, you can't depend upon God. You can't trust in God to, to help you. There's no way that, that God's going to deliver you. Uh, no other God has been able to resist my king. Uh, you need to just give up. And uh, the, the emissaries of, of King Hezekiah say, hey, can you please at least speak to us uh, in... Uh, let's see, is it... Uh, they say, stop talking to us in Hebrew because the pe- we don't want the people to uh, on the, the walls to hear um, speak to us in Aramean so that we can be able to understand you and they can't. And uh, they say, why? Why should we do this? And so they go back and they talk to King Hezekiah and Hezekiah, what does he do? What does it say there that he does? He goes in and he goes before the Lord and he pleads to God and he says, God, uh, well, first of all, they come back to him and their clothes are torn. They're in mourning. They're in sorrow. They have sackcloth on. The king puts on sackcloth. He tears his clo- uh, robes. All of this is showing uh, a remorseful uh, attitude showing submission to God, showing uh, these are all signs of mourning, uh, and they come humbly before God. And King Hezekiah says, "Look, uh, these people are blaspheming you." And he says uh, he's pleading with God that God would not um, allow this to happen, and. Uh, God tells him, don't worry, you're not going to be defeated. He says, I'm going to hand you the Assyrians, uh, they're going to be defeated. He said, uh, God tells him, I'm going to defeat them. And a little later you'll read that um, uh, one morning uh, uh, the angel of God goes through and slaughters uh, 28,000 of the Assyrian armies and just lays waste to them. And they pull out and they leave. They don't. They don't uh, uh, conquer Judah, and God gives them the victory. What's the point? Okay, um, when 
when overwhelming forces come against us, we need to be like King Hezekiah. We need to understand our position before God. We need to come humbly before God. When uh, there are overwhelming uh, things that are going on in our life, uh, we need to place our burdens before the Lord. Hezekiah came with sackcloth and uh, on and with ashes on his head before God. And he said, look, God, it is you that we trust and rely on. Will you uh, give us the victory? He says to God, you need to bring victory to us. He says, God, we're not coming to you because we want to be delivered. We're coming to you because this man is... Uh, blaspheming you he's saying all these things about you and we want them to know that there is a god in judah we want them to understand and know that you are truly god they didn't come and say oh god please deliver us they didn't say god please save us they said god uh we want uh them to be overturned because they are blaspheming blaspheming you and that's exactly what God did. God delivered them as a result of their prayers. God delivered them uh, to expressly uh, show the world that there was still a God uh, that uh, was there for His people. And eventually uh, the kingdom of Judah uh, will be uh, overtaken, but not at this point. This is a point in which God delivers Judah because they come humbly before God. When we are facing insurmountable odds, when we're facing a situation in our life where it seems as though uh, the world is o about to overthrow us, uh, we need to remember to come before God. Go before God and allow Him to uh, rule and reign in your life place it before God and allow uh, and just say God you take this situation you be glorified in this you uh, overcome uh, that which is seeking to destroy your name upon the earth and allow God to care for this uh, Hezekiah knew that he'd been faithful to God knew that he'd been doing the right thing knew that he'd been following after God and he placed uh, this burden that he had for uh, the city of Jerusalem upon God. He placed this burden and he said, God, uh, only you can deliver us. And uh, there are times in our life where we need to say that as well. And this is a good time uh, as well. We need to say before God, God, we can't, uh, we can't control this situation. We cannot uh, come to victory because we're overwhelmed with all that's happening. We're allowed, uh, we place this before you and we ask that you would be glorified in whatever happens. And God will be glorified. God will hear us. God uh, will deliver us uh, because we place our trust in Him. And this is a, a wonderful thing for us to, to see at this time uh, that we can place our burden before Him and, over, and God can overcome insurmountable odds to bring victory uh, to His people. And so we need to pray that God would have the victory in our lives uh, when we face these, uh, these uh, giant obstacles in our life. And just give them over to God. Allow, trust Him. Come in humility. Come before God uh, with uh, uh, your burden and allow Him to take care of, of your issues in your life.
And so I hope that God is able to help you in your situation, whatever it may be, if you just simply place it before Him. Let's join together in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You would be blessed, You would be glorified in our life as we face in this world today insurmountable odds with COVID-19 going on, with, uh, with all the riots and things that are going on in our cities, uh, the economies uh, in downturn, all these issues that are happening. Uh, Lord, we want people to realize that there is a God uh, in our lives and that, that they need to turn to you. Father God, I pray that you would turn things around uh, so that people would know uh, that, uh, that you are alive in this world and Lord that they can turn to you uh, that their lives can be uh, saved from from all the things that are going on Lord we pray that you would help us as your people uh, to humbly come before you uh, in uh, repentance and allow you Father uh, to receive glory in our situation Lord that you would overcome uh, these circumstances and Lord that you would be lifted up and exalted that you would be glorified as a result of your work in our life Lord we praise you and we thank you in Jesus name we pray Amen <laughs>